Hi, this is Nick Forster. This week we're going to revisit a show from our 2016 season that's got great music, great achievement award, and it starts right now. Live from E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's musical guests from Seattle, Washington, OK recording artist Bill Frizzell, and originally from Vermont, now living in London, non-such recording artist Sam Amadon. I'm Helen Forster. Join me now in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town. Here at our uh, solar-powered little town hall meeting, we got some great musical guests this week. In fact, our two guests are full of surprises. One is a smart and prolific folk singer who's not really just a folk singer. He's a guy who's done his homework. He knows how to combine traditions with some new and unusual ingredients. And then we also have Bill Frizzell. Few people have been as adventurous and as committed to kind of breaking down stereotypes of musical styles as he has, and he's been doing it for a long time. He has, I don't know, I think with his help, with Bill Frizzell's help, it's hard for me anyway to get too comfortable with labels like jazz or country or Latin or folk or fusion or modern or traditional. All of that stuff uh, has been explored and combined like some wild musical Cuisinart in, uh, in his hands because like a good cook, he's done the work, he's found good ingredients and he knows just how to spice things up just right. So you know that, uh, some of you know anyway, that he got his start in Denver. He played clarinet as a kid. He began exploring the guitar and then pursued that ferociously, practicing, committing, playing occasional gigs, not great gigs, then better gigs, and even better ones in Boston and New York and Belgium, and all the while developing his particular sound, his distinctive voice and style. But the thing that's always impressed me is that as a musician, he's never lost any of his curiosity, almost childlike curiosity, full of wonder still, and we're all better for it. So please welcome back to E-Town, along with yet another really interesting and excellent band, Bill Frizzell.
Such a cool sound. Bill Frizzell and his band that includes Petra Hayden singing and uh, Avon Kang and Thomas Morgan and Kenny Wallison. And the new record is called When You Wish Upon a Star. So, Bill, this is um, music from screens of various sizes. Yeah, mostly big ones. Mostly big ones. There's a couple TV things in there. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, when, when You Wish Upon a Star, my association with that song is really from watching Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. That's what I kind of 
thinking about Jiminy Cricket playing yeah. that song. And what a vocal performance that original version was. That's an amazing singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's, uh, what's his, um, Ukulele Ike. Oh. Uh, amazing. Ch- he's an amazing musician. Yeah. Were you an avid uh, TV viewer as a young person in Denver when you were growing up? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think like most people... There's these days of, you know, I was born in 1951 and, you know, I was four years old. I I mean, I remember so clearly when my father brought home this big cardboard box and took out a television. And that's pretty much spent the rest of my life just sitting in front of that thing. (laughs) Well, it's pretty cool because in the mid-50s, of course, it was something that both parents and kids could be excited about. It was like, wow, this is, we're all going to do this together and, and... it hadn't soured, uh, you know, a generation yet. It was all just kind of fresh and, and cool. I do remember that's where I first saw a guitar, and that's where I first got fired up about just the object. Just it looked yeah. so cool. And then... What show was that on? You know, it was the Mickey Mouse Club. Wow. So. But and then it, there'd be like cowboy shows and stuff with guys with guitars and... Yeah. And then a couple of years after that was the whole hootenanny, and there was like the folk thing was happening, and and then wasn't long before the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan show. Right. And then, we uh, we went through some similar stuff. Yeah. If you just tuned in, you're listening to E Town. I'm here with Bill Frizzell. Um, I understand there was a time where was it Pat Metheny called or recommended you for a gig or something like that. That. Well, I met Pat Metheny in Boston when I was in school, and then. A couple of years later, I'd moved to New York, and I was just scuffling along, hoping something would show up. And Paul Motion—I don't know how many people are familiar with him—but that was a super important yeah. person in my life who I ended up playing with. From it was at 1981, he called me out of the blue on Pat's recommendation, and I ended up playing with him for the rest of his life. And introduced me to Charlie Hayden, and he introduced me to Petra Hayden. You know, the whole way I've been so lucky. I've said that before, but, you know, starting with my parents, but then friends I had and all my teachers in school. It's so fragile with, you know, from one moment to the next, you don't know if you can do it. And I had a lot of people just telling me to keep going. Well, we're lucky that you did, and I suspect you've also had an opportunity to help some other musicians and be a mentor yourself along the way and give people a little encouragement. And yeah. I know um, we have a mutual friend, Danny Barnes, and Danny quotes you sometimes. One of his quotes that he uses of yours that, that he attributes to you is, quote, music is good. Wow, that's really weird because <laughs> I always attribute that to him. I thought I stole it from him. Oh, well, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I thought, I, 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 wow. But I'd like to take credit for that yeah. because I... I believe that. (laughs) Certainly, if music is good, as it is, and it pulls us together, and these are some crazy times we're living in right now, and you have done a great job, Bill, of of pulling pieces and parts of different styles of music together, and along the way, what that does, and I'm sure you're aware of this, is it brings people who might not otherwise consider themselves welcome into these different musical communities, makes them feel comfortable. Yeah. If you enter into the music, it does that. It yeah. brings people together that, according to some people, aren't supposed to be together. Or w- Right. What about cowboy music? Did you get into cowboy music ever? Uh, I'm starting to, and I think 
we might be getting into some of that tonight yeah. with you. Yeah. You want to do some cowboy music now? I would, that would be so good just, <laughs> just, to just play some cowboy music. I was kind of feeling it. <laughs> well, let's do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back along with this great band, Bill Frizzell. Bill Frizzell, along with his band, this, the record is called When You Wish Upon a Star, Petra Hayden, vocals, Avon Kang on viola, Thomas Morgan on the bass, Kenny Wallison on the drums. <laughs> <laughs> 
They'll be back to play a lot more music later on. We've got music from Sam Abaddon plus the Achievement Award coming up after a short break. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. You're listening to E-Town. Nick Forster, you're listening to E-Town. Bill Frizzell and his band are going to be back later on the show. And coming up, a, a fine young musician, Sam Amidon, is with us from Vermont and London. Uh, but before we get back to music, every week we get a chance to introduce you all to somebody we got to meet with the help of one of our listeners. These are always stories about folks who are looking around in their neighborhoods and seeing opportunities to make things a little better, and they actually take the time to do something about it. And they're always so simple stories of one person being inspired and, and getting started, and that effort adds up to more, uh, more impact all the time. So we get to recognize these people with something called the Achievement Award, and here comes Helen to tell you about the winner of this week's award. Thanks a lot, Nick. Our story comes to us from listener Mary Ann Sicala of Austin, Texas, who's nominating San Francisco, California resident Denise Sandoval. Denise describes herself as an idea person. As a young adult, she worked in the corporate world in San Francisco, then headed to New York to continue her work in that arena for a few years more. After 9-11, though, Denise decided to make a fresh start. When she moved back to San Francisco, she couldn't help but notice that there were considerably more homeless people than there'd been when she lived there just a few years previously. One day she passed a crying homeless woman who was talking out loud to no one in particular. The woman was unkempt and disheveled and kept repeating a phrase that made a deep impression on Denise, eventually giving her the idea that would end up helping an impressive number of homeless individuals to keep their dignity and, in many cases, their jobs. Our winner's here with us in person, so let's find out how, how she's uh, doing this and what she's come up with. Please join me now in welcoming Denise Sandoval. Denise, welcome. Thank you. So you were noticing uh, that things had changed since the last time you were there in San Francisco, more homeless people on the street. It had seemingly doubled in a very short period of time. Yeah. And Helen mentioned you had an encounter with a woman or you heard somebody on the street. What was that about? So homelessness has been an issue that I cared about for a long time, and I had been thinking about how I could possibly help. I did pass this woman, and when I heard her saying she'd never be clean, I knew that she probably meant a lot of different things that I would never understand, but it made me curious about what her opportunities were 
to get physically clean. So I went online that evening and I found out that there were 16 shower stalls and about as many bathrooms available for thousands of men, women, and children who live on the street. And I was appalled. San Francisco is one of the most affluent cities in the world, and yet we are not providing basic human rights for people. So it's also amazing because I'm not at all surprised by the encounter and the inspiration and you looking online and saying, you know, man, oh man, this is a challenge. What always amazes me is that you imagined that you could do something about it as an individual. Thank you. So what did you do? I began talking to a lot of people who I was meeting on the street and asking them what they needed. I found out very shortly thereafter that the city had a donation program. You could apply to receive donated buses. Like transit buses. Yes. So we basically take public transportation buses and convert them into mobile showers and uh, toilets on wheels. Wow. And so you can take them right to wherever the homeless population is. And, and that is exactly the point yeah. in, in San Francisco. But I know that in every city that I go to, I see that homeless individuals don't just live in one part of our communities. They live in lots of different parts. And yeah. so people ask me, why didn't you just create another you know, center? But wherever I would have placed it would not have been sufficient. People are not that mobile. And so we would have been missing huge swaths of the population. So by being mobile, we can get to people where they are. So then you find yourself the proud owner of a free bus. Four buses. Four buses, okay. <laughs> Four buses. Yeah. So you um, got to find some people who know how to retrofit them, and you got to raise a bunch of dough. And Started with an architect. Then I thought, okay, I'm going to put six showers on these buses. And as we started to talk to people, we found out two things. One... If you're a woman or you're LGBTQ, the incidence of attack in showers is huge. And then secondly, if you're homeless, you live your entire life in the public eye. And so the idea of having a moment of privacy and respite was something I became super passionate about. So private showers. Yes. Yeah. There's two full bathrooms. The one in the front is fully ADA compliant. 60% of the people we serve have disabilities. And so we have a wheelchair lift. We can serve them as well. Wow. So this is something you actually did. Yes. And we are scaling beyond San Francisco. So we're going to start a branch in Silicon Valley in San Jose. And we are working with uh, the city of Los Angeles to create a program. And we hope to see this go global. Yeah. Where do you get the water? Do you tank it in or do you have it hook up to a... Can't carry it on the bus. We have to uh, tap into fire hydrants. Fire hydrants. How many people can you serve now? We have served over 2,000 people, and we will be tripling that number in wow. a very short period of time. If you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. Um, and what's the feedback? What do you hear from people who are using the service? We hear from people that they feel like themselves for the first time in a long time, or that they're just rediscovering their sense of dignity. And if you think about it, if you couldn't shower for weeks at a time, What could you really accomplish? What would it do to your sense of self? Not to mention how other people treat you and look at you. They talk about being not only just invisible, but scorned because they can't get clean. Right. So looking for even temporary employment, for example, would be something you'd probably say, boy, I can't even do that. It's impossible. Exactly. Well, and I think that one of the things that we might as well touch on is that the range of the homeless population is not typical, right? It's in this modern era, there's people from every walk of life who are in this situation. Yes. A large number of the people that we serve actually have jobs. One of the first families that we served were 
a husband and wife who both have jobs, and they have three sons who are in middle school. They were evicted, and they have to live in their car. And they have not been able to save enough money to move away into a less expensive area. And they're just barely hanging on, and they get their showers from us. Wow. So you're really making a difference for a lot of people. You're allowing them to get some of their dignity back, to increase their opportunities to have employment, to connect with, sort of integrate into their communities and the society a little bit more. Um, Do you offer other services to these people who come through your buses? Yes. Yeah. So we actually are launching a new program that we're testing now. They're called Pop-Up Care Villages. And it is predicated on the theory that if you can bring more critical services out to the street where people are, you make it easier for them to move through homelessness. Right. Is there a website if people want to see pictures or learn more about what you're up to? Absolutely. We're called Lava May, L-A-V-A-M-A-E, and the website is .org. Lava May.org. What's the name? Where does that come from? <laughs> Lava me in Spanish means wash me. Mm-hmm. I am from Texas where May is a very common middle name and I knew that we like to talk about our vehicles in the feminine. So I decided to call it Lava May, a name. <laughs> Lava May, L-A-V-A-M-A-E dot O-R-G if they want to learn more. Absolutely. Well, congratulations. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us, Donise. Very happy you could come out from San Francisco and tell us all about this. And we wish you a lot of good luck moving forward. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Winner of this week's Achievement Award, Donise Sandoval. The organization is called Lava May, doing great things in San Francisco. Congratulations. Many thanks to listener Marianne Sikala for sending in this great story. If you just tuned in and missed part of this interview, you can find it on our website, etown.org. Or if you want to nominate someone for some recognition, someone doing great work to better the lives of others in some way, that's all spelled out on our homepage, too. If you click on award located at the right end of the top menu. We're reachable by email, Facebook, Twitter, and we'd love to hear from you. And as you know, you can always contact us the old-fashioned way at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, Denise. So we've got more music coming up from Bill Frizzell in a little while. Right now, I'm going to tell you about our next guest, Sam Amidon grew up in southern Vermont, in Brattleboro, in fact. His parents have the distinction of being one of the only couples in the world in which they both play both accordion and banjo. Sometimes thought of as two of the three, along with the bagpipes, of the axes of evil. His, uh, his house was full of music and public radio and fiddle tunes and, and uh, his world included all kinds of things like contra dances, social dances, a really nice tradition in Vermont and New Hampshire that's kind of really a holdover from a couple of centuries earlier. He went on to learn banjo and guitar, but also developed a real interest in free jazz and began experimenting with the connection between traditional forms of music and folk songs and a more modern uh, interpretation and presentation. He is now signed to the prestigious Nonesuch Records lived in London for a while, is now here with us and ready to share some songs from his latest record. Please welcome to E-Town for his first visit, Sam Amidon.
We'll do a classic song. This was composed by Rosa Lee Watson, the wife of Doc Watson. It's called Your Lone Journey. And then Bill will bring the rest of his gang. So long without 
Sam Abaddon, welcome to E-Town. Thank you. Good to have you. It's a really interesting combination. Thank you. I mentioned that um, you know you came from what must have been a, a creative and supportive household. I know a little bit about Brattleboro, Vermont. Was it a great town for you, a young person growing up? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's just this thing very, um, you know, so many of people who were young in the 70s and who were discovering folk music and different kinds of, as you mentioned, like folk music not so much meaning like Bob Dylan with a guitar, and more meaning the actual community social forms of right. folk dancing, Dudley acapella Lofman, singing, the Canterbury Country yeah, Dance exactly. Orchestra, yeah. shape note music, yeah. and singing, and a contra dancing, and Dudley Laughlin for sure. And and so you know, I grew up in that moment of when those people all started having kids and creating an environment for us yeah. very naturally. Not like it wasn't like 
quaint or anything. It was, you know, but, but just like oh, including all that stuff in our, yeah. our lives. You came along and went to all that stuff. Yeah, it was just around. Yeah. And so banjos and, and accordions and stuff and yes. fiddle music. So you, were you drawn to any one instrument in particular when you were a young person? Uh, yeah, I played only the fiddle uh, yeah. from age three until like 21 or something. Like that was my yeah. exclusive focus yeah. um, for most of the time. But there were, but the banjo is something you don't really practice the banjo. It's more a question of putting one nearby for a long enough period of time, sort of an osmosis. And there was one next to the couch. So throughout the high school, it just it seeped in. It's just nearby. Yeah. yeah. It's there when you need it, but you don't want to reach too soon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um. That's a great point. Um, but and my you- dad had, like, you know, he had studied composition in college before he discovered. I think he learned about folk music through early music, and he loved to improvise. He would just play free improvisations on the piano, not in any kind of style, but just like him. Yeah. Just He loved Bartok, so kind of Bartokish. So there was always a little bit of an ear towards, you know, they had right. other stuff. It wasn't like... Other we interests, were, yeah. You're not just sitting yeah. there sawing away all day long. Yeah, yeah, but it was almost exclusively folk music, but not because they were against the other stuff, just because they were so consumed with an interest in that at that yeah. time. yeah. Uh, like me, you went to Putney School. No way. Yeah. Ah. And I'm just trying to imagine what that meant for you in terms of your experience. Just It was a great place. I only went there for my freshman year because for my, uh, I ended up basically homeschooling the rest of the time. Yeah. It, Putney was great, but it took up, they, they schedule all the kids from morning till dusk to keep them out of trouble. And so I was really busy playing a lot of music with my friends, yeah. and I had a band with my brother and my friend Thomas Bartlett. So I actually mostly spent the rest of my high school years booking the band and um, on email, you know, uh, right. get, get trying to get gigs. Diving into the music yeah. business, yeah. <laughs> it's good use of teenage years, keeping yeah. you out of trouble. Yeah. And so your approach to songwriting, again, I'm sort of thinking about this eclectic, all these little pieces and flavors that you can draw from. Um, old old uh, field recordings and songs that you were learning and... Yeah, and it's, you know, there, some of them are fairly, yeah, it's like taking the words and the melodies from old folk songs, either, as you said, from maybe the field recordings, some of them from classic people like Doc Boggs or that kind of source, like banjo singers, but also from children's singing games from the Georgia Sea Islands or wherever I could find them. Yeah. And, um, but often the other part, like the music comes, like I'll write the guitar part first and then maybe the folk song will pop into right. my head as something to kind of squeeze in there. Yeah, sort of like collage or something like yes. that. Yes. If you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. Um, you're married to one of our favorite singer-songwriters, though, Beth Orton. A wonderful singer-songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> She's great. We're happy to have gotten to have her on the show a couple times. Yes. Well, listen, it's a nice, interesting trajectory. You're, you're um, you know, early going. It seems like, although this is, what, your fourth record? Uh, yeah. And these guys coincidentally play on your new record. So that's an interesting sort of serendipitous connection. But meanwhile, we're just happy you're here. Let's get back to music. Okay. Welcome back. If you would, Sam Amidon. Look at the band, this wonderful house band for this one. The E-Town Band. For a song about trains. Walking boss, walking boss, walking 
to that steel driving crew. He says, son, what can you do? I can haul a jack, a lot of track, a lot of track. I can pick and shovel too. such recording artist. Latest CD is called Lilio. Lives over in London along with E-Tones, Chris Engelman, Christian Teal, Ron Jolly, Helen Forster, and Bill Frizzell and Petra Hayden. Sam Amidon. We'll be back with more from Bill Frizzell after a break. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. You're listening to E-Town.
I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like KNBA in Anchorage, Alaska, on KEGR in Oroville, California, and on KDNK in Carbondale, Colorado. We have so much stuff going on here at E-Town. If you want to find out more about any of those things, you can always go to etown.org. There's a ton of videos on our YouTube channel. Feel free to subscribe to that if you'd like. And in general, please keep in touch. There's lots of new stuff coming from E-Town. We are in a slightly uh, introspective or, or thoughtful mode as we gear up for our big 25th anniversary, which is coming up. And one of the things we've sort of been looking at is that we had a couple of ideas when we started Low these many years ago. One was really about trying to stimulate the conversation around how we look out for each other and how we take care of the planet. And we've been doing that ever since we started. And we're, we're happy to say that that is something we've kept up. Food for thought. We're not telling you what to do. We're just trying to make sure people start learning that there are things we need to be paying attention to around climate change, around other things. We've been at it for a while. We also wanted to kind of break down the boundaries and borders between styles of music. Um, radio was getting more segmented at the time, and we're sort of happy to have been doing that for a long time. And, of course, our next guest has done that so often and so successfully throughout his career, and we are happy to have him back with us. Welcome back, along with Petra Hayden, Thomas Morgan, Kenny Wallison, and Avon Kang, Bill Frizzell.
Bill Frizzell, along with great singing from Petra Hayden. Avon King on the viola, Thomas Morgan on the bass, Kenny Wallison on the drums. The record's called When You Wish Upon a Star. Songs from various screens. Bill Frizzell from Seattle, Washington. We've got time for one more song. We're gonna get everybody out here for one last number. I wanna thank all our guests. Um, thanks to Sam Amidon for coming over. He's from now living in London, grew up in Vermont. Thanks, Sam, for coming by. Thanks to our award winner, Denise Sandoval, helping the homeless population in San Francisco maintain some dignity and some personal hygiene with those mobile buses. Thanks to Helen, the E-Tones. Thanks to Bill Frizzell. We've got, a, uh, we've got an old folk song that we've got a little special flavor on for you now. And um, sing along if you want. <laughs> I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. Produced by a donor supported nonprofit organization and recorded live at Etown Hall. To learn more or comment about the show, visit our website at etown.org, send an email to info at etown.org, or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, or the Etown blog. National distribution of E-Town is made possible by the support of E-Town's family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you.
Frizzell and his fine band. Sam Amidon, Helen Forster. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. This is a production of E-Town. That's Sam Amidon, who now lives in London. He's married to Beth Orton, one, another one of our favorite artists. And, of course, Bill Frizzell, just perennial favorite around here. So glad you could be with us. I'm Nick Forster. Thanks for listening.